Yay, Chris, for the dead silence. <laughs> this is the Krillcast Live. I'm Chris. And I'm Andrew. And today is what, Andrew? Printed and pressed, and we're covering Prince Caspian. Princed and pressed, huh? What's okay. The, what's the next book after this one? Uh, after this, we're going to be going over The Prince. By Machiavelli. Yeah. Niccolo Machiavelli. I think he's Italian. Yes, he is. You're Italian. Well, he's Italian and he loves Borgias. Does he love the Borgias? Because I didn't know that. Yes, if you read the introduction to the one. I have copy. not read any of it yet because I'd like to wait till we finish the current book to break, break my brain and do the next book. Well, Chris, these the great thing about these Narnia books is they're short. And if Will joins the chat but not this live stream, he's getting banned from the account. Well, don't be hasty. Maybe we should start talking about the book we're here to discuss, though. Yeah, why don't Prince we start Caspian. with uh, why we picked it? Well, <laughs> I know if, if anyone here, hopefully you've been following along with our review of all of the Chronicles of Narnia books so far. Uh you should know by now that this is written by C.S. Lewis. Clive Staples Lewis. Yeah. I forget exactly how many pages this book is, but they're all under 300. Low yeah, 200. the Chronicles of Narnia are pretty easy reads. They're pretty low uh, low 200s. There's some, you know, pages with pictures on it, so that's not even the full amount. And, uh, you know, these were all written... Uh, what around the 40s to the 50s yeah so um what did you think of this one chris just i thought it was good enough that people should join our book club on goodreads so jump on that link i'm dropping in the chat and um it's definitely one of the weaker of the chronicles of narnia books like that's a fact it's one of the weakest ones well i think we should start this discussion off with some great context that C.S. Lewis has provided to the reader Is that outside true? of the books. He yeah, he has. Uh, every single one of these books he's ever written in the main trilogy was like, and not the main trilogy, but like the main sequence, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, Prince Caspian, the Don Treader. They're all standalone. They, oh, they right, could have, right. They he were originally all standalone. Them. Yeah. Yeah. So he never really intended to keep writing books when he wrote them he kept what? expecting really to be are you sure yeah i'm pretty sure he didn't expect to write the next one he didn't expect to write like any of these like, yeah that's a fact so um that's important context and it explains why this one is the weakest because he's trans he's kind of transitioning away from the original cast and crew to bring caspian into it and give him his origin story right because well just for so the reader understands how this book is structured if you haven't read and been kind of following along with us already the very beginning you are introduced with lucy edmund peter and susan again and they're brought back to narnia from the train station they're all they're kind of they're just shocked because they have no idea where they're at except for the fact that they're pretty darn sure they're in narnia until they eventually discover the ruins of their old castle. And then the only question is how much time has passed since they were there. Because time in Narnia versus time in the 
our world are not at all in sync. So that's how that the whole introduction is that really. And then they rescue a dwarf who then starts the story over again, basically from the perspective of Prince Caspian. Yeah, that's true. I didn't think about it that way. It is kind of like a jarring jump from, Hey, look, the, the heroes from, from Lion, the Wish and Wardrobe are back. Oh, but wait, let's go see what's going on here with this dwarf. Yeah. He has two different timelines, right? In the book that have to come back and converge. So it's like two different stories happening at the same time, but they have the same ending. Right. Right. They come right. together at the end. Kind of like how yeah. the return of the King brings the two towers back together a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. It all comes back to the same ending, but yeah. Um, so you go through that whole story of Caspian all the way through until it then shows you how Peter, Susan, Edmund, and Lucy were all drawn back to Narnia to spoil that whole <laughs> reveal. It was because they blew Susan's horn, which was able to call <laughs> them... It sounds terrible, but they, you said it that way. Okay. They, they blew the horn, horn that Susan was given by Father Christmas. Okay, you're not making it sound better. <laughs> okay, fine. I don't care, Chris. This is a children's <laughs> book, and oh, if everyone man. can recall from the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, that horn is going to summon help when you most need it from wherever. It doesn't matter, right? And that's what had the magical pull to bring them back to Narnia. Mm -hmm. Then, so that ends with the dwarf basically telling them how they got there. And they must now progress to find Caspian to help him in his quest for, the, for his kingdom, right? Mm -hmm. And along the way, Aslan shows up. Conflict happens. And Caspian ends up the king. <laughs> it's yeah. it's well, really that, that's, actually... That, that's the okay. best part, is Caspian's not even like a natural-born Narnian. Yeah. I Okay, but they can't be, right? Kings have to be sons of Adam, and no son of Adam is actually from You don't Narnia. think people could get it on in Narnia and have a son of Adam come out? There are no humans in Narnia except for those who came from Earth. What about the horse and his it? boy? Those are all, they don't tell you where they came from, but they're all from outside of Darnia. Mm -hmm. Yes, Chris, he didn't create any Narnia, anyone in that realm who is not a son of Adam, who is a son of Adam already or like him. It's almost so. like Narnia is meant to be the Garden of Eden. And yes, only Chris. those with permission. Did you, did can you really? Did she? Okay, but I know everyone is going to be like, oh, you you just real fast like went over the, eh, they, there's some conflict and he becomes king. Well, that's kind of how it's written because as there, there there is there is a part, though, that you did skip over that I want to yeah. highlight. Like, there's this whole question about, you know, what makes a being a being? And the idea is that... Well, there are there are animalistic behavior. No, 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 there's a part in here where they actually question the idea of souls and reality and the physical body, 
and it and it's this portion in the middle where you discover that most of the talking Narnia animals are in hiding or gone. Okay, and they yes, come across animals where the animals can't talk and they feel bad about killing it at first. And then they realize like, oh, it's not a talking Narnia animal. Like, oh, it doesn't have a soul almost is what it's going on here. So, well, okay, Chris, this was just the general overview of how, where the story arc is. We're That's the, probably to... the deepest point in the whole book, honestly. But we're going to get to that. All right. <laughs> that all right, was all right. next, right? Parts that you found valuable well that's okay is there anything else to add to the summary of the book other than oh. maybe the the um part about caspian accidentally betraying his nurse well that's that's all well that's a good portion to get into next i think uh because well uh peter susan admin and them they There's all also the whole spare in an air thing where the guy his uncle doesn't have any kids and then all of a sudden he has a well, kid chris you're getting into the next portion where all we right, talk about the right. lessons learned man the, Lessons but, learned, don't trust your uncle. <laughs> That's pretty much common stories. across C.S. Lewis. Yeah. Never trust the uncle. Well, and then the final reveal at the end is that Peter and Susan are too old to come back to Narnia in the future. I know, what the heck, and man? And he sends them all back to to Earth with the promise to uh, Lucy and Edmund that they basically are going to come back again. Yeah. Plot yeah. twist is a spoiler for the next book. Voyage of the Dawn <laughs> Treader, anyone? Yeah. Uh, no, okay. Let's let's jump into like stories within the story that you found valuable. And, okay, just like, just right off the get go, I found it interesting that getting back to Narnia via the horn was felt like them being pulled, like physically pulled back in. Right. It's kind of an oddball thing. I would have thought with the horn they would have fallen in, like it would have you know the horn would have opened up some kind of sound wave door where they just fall in, but. It, it ended up being like literally a pull from, I don't know, it's like well, a blowing the horn of the angels and the angels are pulling them in or something. I mean, it makes sense to me. I never really questioned I mean, it. They're not going to run <laughs> through you know, platform nine and three quarters. Right, right. I mean, I hear what you're saying, but at the same time, is it really the horn itself that's pulling them through or is it Aslan pulling them through because of the horn? Like Aslan can't pull. He's got claws. Oh my gosh! <laughs> even you though he can, even though he can transform into a kitty cat and all kinds of other stuff. <laughs> I yeah. I, I I think this is a book where a longer form version of this would have been better. This this story needed to be fleshed out a lot more. I think that's part of the problem. It's kind of you don't ever really get to know Caspian other than a few things he does. Well, you don't get to. Uh, truly understand the modern, the the current day Caspian that you are um, seeing take the throne, right? You only really see young Caspian, and there's no good timeline there of how old he really is until until Peter says about the, his age, which could have been anything, right? That's roughly he probably younger. My guess is that you can't come back to Narnia once you reach the age of consent. Sure, probably. Uh, because but, it's like 16 or 18, I don't know which. But I'm saying, like, there's no good even... Unlike Peter Pan, one, who has the Lost Boys and never lets them grow up. But but what I'm saying is the one character who ever describes Caspian's age, outside of his behavior describing his age, very naive, kind of very young-seeming for the vast majority of his for part. Peter or Caspian? Caspian. Caspian, okay. I, I yeah. was mishearing you. 
No, well, no, I'm saying because Peter's the only one who ever describes his age oh. outside of you having to infer from his behaviors and actions, right? So Peter saying about his, like, about their age basically means he could have been Edmund's age for all we know, right? It's not very clear. And then you have to wonder about the time, like, how much time passes between Narnia and Earth when you factor in how old he is in the Don Treader. Apparently, apparently, C.S. Lewis has given us the age of Peter outside of the books. He is apparently 14. So, okay. so In Prince Caspian. Yeah. So Caspian's no older than 14, probably younger than 14. And he was 13 in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Okay. So apparently there's only but a year that goes by between Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. No, we know that there's only a year between the two. Yeah, they say that. That's what I thought. Um... So the question is, how old can you be at Narnia? Is 14 the oldest you can be? That's kind of crazy. No, probably. Well, I guess 15, 16 is probably. Well, I, I was wrong. It's younger than what I thought. <laughs> well, depends on... Okay, let's just be... I'll point it out that England had weird consent laws, so technically maybe it's not <laughs> different oh, okay. than what you're right, saying then. historically. Um, there's a lot there, man. If you go d- dig into the history. Um but I think a lot of the lessons learned early on are during Caspian's time, because like you already alluded to him ratting on his nurse. There's so much to that specific part of the story. To He was willing to sacrifice it. the closest person in his life to maintain what he had. And then he learned a valuable lesson from it. He didn't really. What do you mean he ha- was willing to sacrifice her? He wasn't well, he sacrificed that relationship. She was sent away. Not because he was talking about something he wasn't supposed to. Right. So he learned a valuable lesson about sharing with his uncle things that he's not supposed to be doing. Well, yes, he learned a valuable lesson about how, I mean, kind of let's bring it back here. When you're under a totalitarian government, it's kind of like the Soviets or the Nazis when the children ratted out their parents at school unknowingly. So who are the Telmarines, Andrew? I mean, they're totalitarian according to the book. Did you read about the portion where he's talking about uh, it's a miserable kingdom because of their strict rules and uh, stern laws and cruel taxes? It's, okay, it's an unhappy country Okay, Chris is on pause here, uh, mute. So I'll just tell everybody, an unhappy kingdom equals high taxes, stern laws, and a cruel king. And that is what the that kingdom was. Okay, Chris is just making this awkward now. That was Will. Will's coming okay. out in a minute. He says he's going to okay. crap all over the book, and then he's going to leave. Sounds good. Did you hear anything I said? I heard some of it. Okay. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna make you rehash it because if you do, yeah, no, no, but I hear it twice. But basically, I, I think I think the lesson. Okay, we're learning lessons right now. Yes. The lesson to be learned is that you need to know the authority that you're living under, mm-hmm. and even though not all authorities are morally correct, you need to save. You need to make sure you keep the skin of your family and friends safe as much as possible. Well, it's more than that, right? It's you talking about things 
that you heard from someone else has in front of the wrong person yeah has consequences on other people right that that's the lesson to learn for kids well, not and, only that, but even even um, need to go ahead and finish. Go ahead and finish. Well, I was saying even adults need to learn that as well. But um, there's a there reason a, why Jesus in the temple left when the Pharisees looked like they were going to kill him. Right. I mean, you also yeah. That's another point. He was ignorant of the response that he was yet to learn, like that reaction that his uncle was having, his facial expression and stuff, and he overstepped when he, he had warning. But. Uh, on top of that whole lesson there you also have the lesson about how you Why his uncle to... was okay with with grazing him no 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 oh, not okay. that uh, about how because his uncle did not take an active role in raising him he allowed others to raise him that's and true. because he allowed others to raise him Caspian developed all those the love of all those Narnian stories because he was not raised by his uncle in the culture that his uncle wanted, right? He That's was true. he was raised by Narnian. So it's a valuable lesson about for how and kind kids. of for parents, right? It's more that's kind of geared towards the parents of, hey, if you don't raise your children and instill in them the value of Yeah, yeah. The teacher will raise them right there the teacher whoever. or whoever your authority figure is mm -hmm. yeah so that's a valuable lesson for parents reading the book with their kids i think well i think here's here's a good point though <clears throat> in societies a lot like if you go back long enough the providers weren't always necessarily raising their kids but when mm -hmm. your parents or somebody who's older than you and your family got to a certain age where they really couldn't provide right. as much Sometimes they'd be the ones raising the kids, and that was totally fine. It's because you could trust yeah. the values of the, of the parents, aunts, uncles, whatever it would be, mm -hmm. and then they could still provide some something valuable to the family. Mm -hmm. And it, whereas it's nowadays, the bulk of families, you know, you've got one maybe two providers, and you don't really have that option. Right or now. people get a nanny. That's a thing too. That among costs certain money. Levels, it does. But I'm saying people do. So, it's a, it, but it's important to realize that's what a lot of that, royalty does. Well, okay. There's a there is a large segment of the population that can still afford a nanny out there in like not large large but there's a a decent chunk of people who actually afford nannies in some cities. <laughs> Just saying, Chris. Um, no, but. I guess there's this this uh, there's just this whole sense of censorship in this book too because of how his king uh, his uncle the king is. Right. Which, let's just get into that next thing. C.S. Lewis loves to, like, point out who you can't necessarily trust. So right. you can't trust the uncle <laughs> in this case because he tries to have him killed. So he well, yeah, can... He, well, the, the thing is, is, like, Prince Caspian doesn't realize why his uncle's raising him the way he is. And the right. fact of the matter is, he's, he's never been taught that kings need an heir. And that mm -hmm. if an heir doesn't exist, then well, then you've got to pick somebody. And Caspian right. happens to be the lucky fella who gets picked. And then when his uncle has a son, he doesn't recognize the danger he's in. Well, that and also just the lesson that you can't necessarily trust family, too, if they envy and desire what is yours. Um, right. Because, you know, his uncle killed his father. Then right. was seeking to kill him. 
his uncle also, you know, purged the loyal royals, so there was no one actually to stand up for Caspian at any point in the future. Right. And then, uh, oh, we can, how can we forget that it's technically a story about genocide? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, because they, right? they because kill off all of the... Any talking beast, the true Narnians were all killed. Were, they were trying to kill them all off. They were trying to kill them off. They, yeah. they weren't successful. I mean, is any genocide ever really successful to that point, though? I guess it depends on what you consider successful. Well, okay. You can find a diaspora of almost any group that's ever been targeted. <laughs> It's a pretty dang hard to truly eliminate everybody. So that's where, you know, it, it, it was one, but they weren't obviously successful. Like, none of them are ever truly successful because you need everybody on board for it to be successful, which is pretty darn hard. Right. <laughs> um, which I think that also leads into what... I, some, I somehow managed to to both ban Will and pin his message. Oh, so the pin message right now says "message deleted by the Krillcast." View deleted <laughs> message. <laughs> oh, sorry, Will. All right. Um, so I, I agree with you. Like, there's there's a trust thing that C.S. Lewis constantly explores. It's like, mm -hmm. so who can you trust? And the answer usually is the opposite of the person that they trust in the beginning of the story. But over right. time, they learn the lesson of here's why you can or can't trust this person. And these books are really great. Yeah, like you said, it's really great at saying why you can or can't trust them. It's really good at showing the behaviors that you need to watch out for and observe. It, it's trying to teach kids to be more observant, I think. Yeah, and, like picking um, up on bad habits and stuff. Like, for right, example, right. the the magic uncle. I mean, clearly the dude is crooked well, and weird. Remember, yeah, they're talking about the mannerisms in that one. Yes. And he kind of does the same thing in this one where his uncle's clearly a cruel man. He's at least hard. At the very least, he's, he's hard. hard. But they describe him as cruel multiple not, times. Not, later. not hard in the creepy uncle sense. Hard, hard like <laughs> oh hard, gosh. hard willed, stubborn, stern, stern. There you go, stern. There you go, Chris. I. But when you factor in all of the stuff we've just talked about, it makes the next portion of the journey so much more um, significant. I would. Well, we forgot to talk about the tutor that comes in as well. The and, tutor was really important because he was yeah. smarter about hiding and also teaching Caspian to hide well, the important he things. Is, he mentors him in how to truly handle knowledge and be aware of his surroundings to avoid what happened with the nurse. Right. Uh, the nurse is a victim of trusting small children not to just blabber, right? You can't. Kids will always you blabber. You can tell yeah. your kid what you got your wife for uh, her birthday or whatever, and yeah. they're going to tell her. Fact the matter. I mean, that's even a lesson kind of along the lines of um, how Lucy learned the lesson of how she couldn't even trust Edmund in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. He True. blabbed all about everything to the witch, right? Right. So you have to be careful even amongst your peers who you tell because they might be too naive. Uh, but the part that's really significant is in his escape and how much grace Truffle Hunter shows him. 
that yeah. that's the part that it wasn't I, that his name his name was truffle hunter yeah it? so okay so everyone <laughs> understands truffle hunter is a badger yeah a talking badger and he lives with two dwarves one's a dark dwarf and well a black dwarf is a i forget what are they called black yeah and the other is a red dwarf a dark dwarf so for context anyone who's not aware the dark dwarves were basically in the in the bag for the white witch back in the day so, so they're less trustworthy in they're, the they're more than kind of the reason they're called dark dwarves is because they kind of are dark but they have black hair <laughs> they, they they were in line with the um like the giant the bad giants and the various yeah. bad I mean, creatures they're very selfish they they kind of have the you know greed selfishness it's kind of like the else. difference and they're also the ones that are more likely to favor pure blood dwarfs versus yeah. the standard dwarfs who are totally okay with um the mentor of yeah because the tutor that for caspian half, was half dwarf the i mean okay the guy in here the uh what's his name effort the black dwarf he is it's like nicholas or nickel he is cruel as can be it's like Trek Bark or something. No, Trey, Trey Barks. That, that's his. Um, that's his uh, mentor. Let's find out. I thought it was N I C or N I K. Uh, Nickabrick or something like that. Yeah, you're right. Nickabrick. 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 Uh, but he he is just constantly wanting to kill people. He yeah, he, and he he also cruel, like wants right? to like, resurrect the witch at some point. Yes, he always is trying. Well, okay. I, the note I took down for him as we, um, as I was reading it, was he will ally with anyone. He literally has no moral compass. None. Yeah, the, it's like the enemy of my enemy. You never mm -hmm. know where he's gonna do. He's gonna ally with next. Right, and he, it was just he was terrible. <laughs> he he was. Well, okay, he was friends with a werewolf and a hag. He tried <laughs> to get Caspian to call on the White Witch multiple times, really. Well, yeah, they asked and, him what he what he thought would be, or what he was, uh, he says something along the lines of, we need to consider every option. And they're like, well, what is every option? He's like, we need to call out the White Witch. Yeah. And, you know, it's important to know that all of the stories about Aslan, the stone table, the White Witch and the kids themselves and what their role was is very much almost kind of like lost. It's not lost, but it's lost, right? They don't know the full details. They don't necessarily believe any of the stories. It's become much more generalized. So they don't really understand what happened with the table, the significance. They don't necessarily believe that he, uh, Aslan came back from the dead to kill the witch or anything. They believe some of them believe it could be a story told by the, um kit by peter and them to have more legitimacy or whatever it was so there's a lot of lack of faith among at least among the dwarves right um well it's, it's, it's kind of it's, it's kind of like um i didn't think about this sleeve i said that like what the allegory is like these are the these are the people that that crucified aslan on the stone table yeah. so they're the least willing to believe it happened he comes yeah. from that that group of people. Yeah, he does. Yep. And um, and conversion never comes easy. So like Aslan's gonna have a mm -hmm. hard time convincing people like him of his status as you know the the resurrected king of Arnia. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, um, there was one part that I thought was really funny, given that it was um, the era that uh, C.S. Lewis wrote this about the. Uh, so he's writing about the horn, right? And they're the kids are uh, when they found out about it. They um, there's a comment about how it's like living at the mercy of the telephone. And I found that really funny because C.S. Lewis wrote this well before any cell phones <laughs> were ever invented. So I would love to see his perspective on uh, how at the mercy of a phone people are today. One second. I thought Will was actually going to log on. I know. <laughs> I know. Anyways, um, I, I mean, I agree with you. They were at the mercy of a telephone. It's like it's like the bat signal. It's like we need yeah. Batman. Choo, put it up in the air. No, but I'm saying in the book, they, he actually describes it that way. And we got dead sounds because Chris. I just muted. want to. Uh, hey, is this Will? All right, here I want you to tell everybody what you think of the book. Tune in a little bit, and I'll listen to Andrew. And I do have a question for him. Did you oh. see my question? Or did you delete it? Because I heard you talk. He about deleted it. it. Tell him you deleted it, Chris. Chris. Can you hear me? I, I I technically deleted it. Will sorry. Oh, you yeah, that's right, Andrew. You can't hear Andrew. I thought you could hear him, but you can't. Okay, yeah. No, I I deleted it on accident. I was jokingly putting you in timeout on the YouTube thing. Okay. Did, but but did I did you see it. See the question? No, I did not. Here, I'll read it to you, Andrew. It says. I hope it gets better. Isn't that or not my favorite? Oh no, your your question never showed up, Will. Your question was talking about how in all these C.S. Lewis books, it's a common theme that uh, he's trying to get across. The kids shouldn't trust their relatives necessarily. And I was I was asking him, you know, when he was actually bringing it up, why do you think C.S. Lewis is really hitting on that point in each book? And a lot of times, it's the uncle. Like, don't trust the uncle. <laughs> Right. I mean, it's it's a very interesting question, right? Uh, I think he, he's responding to you, Will. Uh, I know. Uh, I think I think it's I think it's tied to the fact that a lot of abuse is someone close to the family, right? And uncles are one of the. It's like maybe an odd. <laughs> okay, Chris. Okay. I think I think it's because you know that's what statistics say, yeah, right? Yeah, it's not my favorite. Um, I still don't understand why there has to be other princes or kings. I just want it to be the original four. <laughs> What's your rating, Will? Scale of five. Um, this one. Uh, okay, so let me think. Let me think back on the other ones. I gave the horse and the boy a five. I gave Narnia four. Uh, I guess the Lion Lodge Award it before. Um, I would give this one a three. I still think it's it's well written. It's still interesting. As a kid, I think I would have enjoyed it more. Um, but it's, def it's definitely a low point in the series for me thus far. There you have it. Will said it's the lowest point in the series so far. I'm going to let Will go now. I know he's got stuff going on, but he had to get his two cents in here. So say bye, Will. Bye, everybody. This has been the Trollcast. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> All right, so I mean, we got a three out of Will. Going going to his question again, though, I I do think. No, that you're totally it, right. It's it's usually the somebody close to you. Yeah, and, and usually and usually the parents don't have a problem trusting somebody close. So you have to be able yeah. to read the signs, even as a kid. You need to be able to read the signs when you're in danger. But okay, I it goes deeper than that though. When you think about it, most of the time these are um, children where their parents aren't there actively involved. For some reason, their parents are distracted or drawn away, or the kids are drawn away from the parents, and they're in a very vulnerable position to be taken advantage of. And he always starts it off with a family member, right? But not all, it's not always a family member. He's done the stranger danger twi- uh, really heavily in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Oh, yeah. He well, did, no, a Magician's did, Nephew is way more stranger danger. Look at the White Witch. Well, no, that's what I'm saying. He did stranger danger and family in The Magician's Nephew. He did stranger danger exclusively in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Mm-hmm. In The Horse and His Boy, he basically did the... I guess it was the adopted parent danger kind of thing. I, <laughs> well, or, to be well, fair, a lot stepmother, of like, stepmother danger. And there was a lot parent. of issues in the foster system even back then. So like that yeah. could make sense. But also it was his uncle. So it wasn't necessarily like somebody. Although his uncle did murder. I mean, this is basically what? Lion King. This is the plot of Lion King. Oh, you're talking about in this one. I was talking about in The Horse and His Boy. It was the foster system. And oh, yes, 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 And yes, yes. the stepmother who... You couldn't, you didn't, couldn't necessarily trust because she wanted nothing to do with kids that weren't her own, right? That was a huge issue at one point in history. And horse um, and his boy. Yeah, because they're trying to marry off the daughter. There's oh, also and yeah, the stepmother yeah. hates her, right? So that's true. Yeah, I didn't um, think about that one. I thought you were still. T- I thought you were still talking about um, uh, whatever his face, his name is uh, the the boy instead of the girl. I thought you were talking about. Oh yeah, still. no. And then in this one. You have the uncle because the parents are dead. So there's more elements there because the uncle but, killed but, them. But and... let's remind ourselves, why is the parents dead? Because he killed them. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, like, no, but I'm, I'm I making... I want to know how he did that so slyly without without Caspian realizing it. He must have been young when it happened. Caspian was really young in that. He's like a, t- he's like a you know, like, I don't know, five or something early on, it sounds like. It's hard to say. He had to be young, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he didn't have a tutor at that point. He only had a uh, nurse. True. Right? So that's like kindergarten, bro. Um, so where I were I do find we? it interesting when he finds out about the talking animals in Narnia and he kills right. an animal and like doesn't – he's like, oh, no, did I did I kill a talking one, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. That was a pretty interesting – I And to go back to, I don't think – if I can recall – I, I don't remember if in the later books he still does the you can't trust certain people thing to the same level. He probably does. I think does. Voice of the Dawn Treader does. Which, uh, who can't you trust in that? I, I We'll discuss it in the next yeah, one, I guess. We'll, we'll get to it. Um, there's the... Oh, there's the part where when they're on their way to find Caspian, all of them don't believe Lucy again. I know, it's like poor and, Lucy. Well, except for Edmund, he believes her, right? He's willing to believe her, but he, he gets overruled. And he basically says, like, oh, we can we can always come back if she's wrong. <laughs> yeah, but the in, the important part is Aslan says that she should have still gone to him. Yep. The, right? That, like, he rebukes her for like, not doing that. That's just like um, the whole drop everything and follow me thing in the Bible. Yes. 
Because I mean, he does you, parallel a lot of the Bible in the books. Yeah. And the lesson there is you are responsible for, for yourself. You are, for yourself. And you can, there's no excuse. There's only so much you can do for others before you have to be responsible for yeah. you. you. Just because the crowd goes one way does not mean you are supposed to follow said crowd. You are supposed to do what you think is right. Be a leader. Be a leader, except, you know, also be a follower, I suppose, at the same time. Well, be a leader for what's right. Yes. Follow what is right. Um, Lead the way toward the path of righteousness. Yeah, and I think he did a really good job with the following. Like, so the way he made the journey to follow Aslan, it's where the only person who could see him was still Lucy. Well, it's more than that. He he really did make it like following Christ in the sense of the journey looks hard and uh, unsurmountable at times, Mm. but if as long as you stay true to what. To the path, right? Then they also, of course, corrected when they were fired at by the enemy. Well, that too. But I'm saying, like, the journey was really difficult for them. Yeah. It wasn't an easy path to follow, but it worked. Like, the way it worked out was they would have made it to Caspian so much sooner (laughs) if they had just followed. It probably didn't help Lucy's cause trying to follow with the fact that she was the least tired after the rowing journey because. Peter Goodman and Susan were all spending all of their effort rowing, even though I knew Lucy wasn't big enough or strong enough to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so therefore when they were all tired, she was probably like, let's go. We got to go up there to see Aslan. And they're all like, yeah, easy for you to say. Right. Um, and it wasn't the obvious path. They, they had just had all of this where they're not familiar with the terrain at all. And there's no reason they should go in the direction opposite of, Right. Where they know a settlement is. So we get into the the very deep one paragraph part of the book that really like. Yeah, this is. I mean, this is right around that. This was well. This is technically right after the part that really hit you. So the part that stuck out to me is when they're talking about how all the Narnians went into hiding, and they see a. um, I think it was a bear. They're attacked by a bear. Attacked by a bear. Yeah. Who they initially think like, oh, is it a Narnian? And then it's like, no, no, this thing just growls at them and attacks them. And they're like, wow, how crazy would it be if we were out in the wilderness and we saw a human who we mm-hmm. thought we could communicate with? And it turns out, no, they're a non-communicative beast with no soul and no thoughts. Well, and it's deeper than that even, right? They well, have... it is, but that's basically the question. That's no, asked. no, no. But what I'm saying is it's it's worse than that because they're in Narnia where they expect these that's creatures true, yeah. to speak. And the, now they're in this position where this bear came out of the woods, right? They don't know. Maybe he thinks they're telomeres or yeah. whatever. Telomeres. And they, um, he's just trying to protect his forest, right? His area so they don't come back and kill him. But, you know, they don't have time to think about to even think about that or he would have killed him. And if the dwarf wasn't there, they would have died. Right. So they have to, they don't have the luxury to even find out if these creatures that they're used to. They're, the normal thing is to try to talk to them are even able to talk. It's just an all threat now. And and the thing about that was, it was so interesting to think about. Like, what if you came mm-hmm. across someone? Well, people have, Chris. Well, yes, but not in the modern age. Imagine you come across a person. You could. Who is, who is, a, who is a slave to the... I don't know, the demonic or the soulless or something along those lines. And they literally can't talk. They're only a hulking, sulking beast who wants food. Well, okay. Uh, 
be because of terrible interactions with uh, explorers in the past, there's that tribe on that uh, down by the island. Yeah, that one island that nobody is allowed to go on. Yeah, because they will kill you instantly, and a few missionaries have been There's, there's been more than one Christian missionary trying yeah. to go on that island. Yeah, and you get killed instantly. Um, and there's the cannibal tribes that exist in uh, Papua New Guinea area. So well, the the thing is, I mean, I would I would fear external sources too if I were them because they, yeah. they had. Some people come off the island and come back with disease and die. And, and there's also some tribes in the Amazon. So if you decide to go to the frontiers of this world, um, you can still run into this exact circumstance. And it, that I think that's what he's kind of describing a little bit. It, you know, the English explorer goes, you run into a group of people and, yeah, <laughs> turns out it's a tribe. I don't know. I kind of looked at it more like more like um, a zombie. Well, I mean, we did we discussed it a little right. bit off. Well, you said podcast. that the original zombies are probably cannibals. Yeah, I think that they're kind of originally cannibals. Or there's a you know human history is littered with uh, sieges and stuff that turned into starvation. And I mean, even in the I mean, Bible, you, in desperation, Chris, you can be lowered to that of a beast. Well, I mean, even in the Bible, right, when there's sieges and the people are starving, they go around taking people's kids to eat and stuff, and they eat yeah. each other, and there's all sorts of stuff like that. Yeah, there's that, that one and story. I, th I think it's maybe it's they Samuel ate, or Elijah yeah, they, or Elisha or whatever, and he tells them not to eat the kid and just eat the porridge. Well, the, and the, there's also the that story animals. where one woman agrees with another woman to eat her child today. Yeah, that's and a then, parable, though, I think, isn't it? I think I can't remember, but then she doesn't offer her children, child the next day to be eaten. So there's a strife there. But I yeah, think that was that was Old Testament, I think. Is yeah, that Old is, Testament? It's Old Testament. That's Old Testament. And um, so when you when you look it over, right, there's two circumstances. Either you're in the uncivilized frontier and you which is the wilderness in this case, right? Mm -hmm. Or you're in the massive or you're under siege and you're starving and you've you've fallen into this despair where now you are just an animal looking to survive which both are kind of applicable to this circumstance right the narnians were under siege to the point that they reverted to animals and they were also in the wilderness like extreme isolation right I think, there i think the whole point of it is right is are you in servitude of your of your physical needs or desires or are, are have you mastered and made yourself the master of your domain the body that you're, mm -hmm. you're in control of mm -hmm. and that's a whole question about um uh what is it um willpower like right. people who have a lot of willpower can go a lot longer without eating drinking whatever it's going to take than people who have not mastered I mean, it, it goes beyond just willpower, though. It's also what fuels your willpower. That's true, too, yeah. Um, I mean, if you don't have a low time preference, if you're a high time preference individual, you, you need something constantly stimulating. You need to go do this thing, do that thing, constant excitement. You don't care about saving money. You don't think about the future long term or anything. What do you have to hope for in that circumstance that requires willpower? Right. Like you're you're training yourself to need instant gratification. And that's just nothing but detriment. It also kind of made me think about the idea of 
um, domestication, right? So like domesticated yeah. animals don't behave the same way as wild animals. They have and smaller how, brains. How, and how do they get there? Well, they have a constant stream of food. They have a constant stream of water. They don't have to worry about shelter. And it basically takes them out of their natural element and makes them in servitude of man. So I what mean, happens when it, what happens when you apply those same principles to a human? The same thing, Chris. Domestic, I mean, I mean, we're we're becoming well, a we, have, we have society. No, we already are. Uh, human brains have shrunk, actually, just mm -hmm. like domesticated animals. They have shrunk. So that's why it's important to read, boys and girls. Yes, but I mean, when you lack that mental stimulation of having to solve problems every day, true problems your brain will shrink. It makes perfect sense. Um, mm -hmm. I, I think that is like the last good lesson of this book overall. That's probably true. Um, because it's really hard to take lessons from the, fo the follow up to this part of the story. Um, yeah, because Aslan saves the day. Yeah, because Aslan shows <laughs> up and this is really where my critique of the book goes because I think the story is great all the way up until this point. Once Aslan's in, it's kind of like you bump up the speed of the story by like 2x. <laughs> right. Everything's just happening real fast. Everything that the kids do and Caspian does and the Narnians do, it's all pointless because Aslan's there to save the day and bring the trees into combat um they didn't have to do anything right they're just there to describe the events and aslan does everything that's great which i understand with the uh biblical imagery because technically god does everything too that is of, of greatness but it's not the most interesting read in the story right um it just high speeds it and i mean there was the the, the peter versus uh mirrors Battle. Well, the combat, but the combat's pointless as long as as uh, as long as Peter doesn't die. <laughs> well, that's true. As long as Peter can live long enough, Aslan's going to bring the tree army. Right. <laughs> he brings. He brings the yeah. uh, one of those guys called in uh, Treebeard. He brings Treebeard for basically. It. Yeah. <laughs> um, the Ents. The Ents are showing up. There's. What was I wonder it? if he did like legit steal that from Tolkien. I don't know. You have to look at which one came first. I think it was. I think it was actually C.S. Lewis, but C.S. Lewis would have been discussing all these things with J.R. Tolkien at the pub. So who knows? But his aren't really the same. They're, They're different, not. obviously. But his his are explicitly Greek myth. Right. Uh, <laughs> right. His his is explicitly Greek myth. That's the interesting thing about it. No, uh, it, it there's some there's probably some valuable stuff within the aslan journey i just it's really hard to i did like how it. he shows them mercy when they give up instead of just saying slaughter them right there is that um which to me like a defeated people who are giving up you know you got two choices you either take the the fear route and you kill them mm -hmm. or you or you take the mercy route and you let them go right and, and he offers takes the mercy route he offers them to go back to earth uh, to earth our earth right and live on a, an abandoned island where they originally were from. And re the real question is, how old were they? Because how did they get to Narnia? <laughs> right. I don't know, man. I don't know. 
they it's well imagine no, imagine you and your friends are all like hanging well, out chris, on an island one day and you fall into narnia you're like chris 16. there's nothing about age that prevents you from going to narnia mm, that's true i guess the witch made no. it no okay this is the first time he talks about how they're too old now for their what their purpose was because you had um the uncle who went to narnia you had the cabbie who went to narnia these people went through That's a true. different type of door. They went through a different door. Aslan specifically brings the cabbie's wife in <laughs> so they can have a family and, you know, steward Narnia. Um, and then their kids hook up with the trees. Basically, it's super weird. He's going to hook up with the trees. Especially, animals. okay, it's, it's made weirder by the way he describes the trees in this specific <laughs> book. When it's not really explained what the tree people are like, <laughs> it, it's a lot less weird. This one makes it super weird. Um, <laughs> and he's like walking out in the forest. Which tree will be my wife? <laughs> right. Oh, I really like this willow. Oh, but did you see this beech tree over here? Oh, Dang. man. Yeah, the ash tree. Yeah, we don't have any ash trees where I live anymore. Look at that mahogany. <laughs> so... That's there's, nice. There's mahogany. one thing that's not explicitly stated, but extremely hilarious. Archenland survives it all. Yeah, well, the, the real question is who gets wood? You or the tree? No, no. Okay. Archenland. <laughs> Sorry, that's a good joke. Come on. I know, but okay. Archenland. Yeah, you're right. Archenland survives everything. But, okay, the real paradise, the, the city on the hill <laughs> that you want to live in. Is freaking Archenland because the White Witch doesn't take Archenland. The Telmarines isn't that where isn't that where um... Archenland? What? Oh, I guess oh, Archenland Arch gets destroyed by Aslan. When? Uh, oh, no, when? Along with the rest of the world. Oh, it's, that's at the end. Oh, it's the end. That's yeah. not fair. No, Archenland is never conquered. They see the end of days. <laughs> yeah. That's true. I just, I just want to point out how OP Archenland is. Like, how? <laughs> the, the only fight that they go through is in Horse and His Boy, and that's it. Yeah, but it's not like Archenland is super populated, full of people now, is it? It's paradise. It, and, it, and, but, and, and they have um, they have what's his face, uh, uh, Tom Bombadil. Oh, they have the yes, the, the Tom Narnian Bombadil of and Tom Narnia. Bombadil. <laughs> He can see guy. everybody coming, so he gives them ahead of time warning that invasions coming. Then he feeds them magic mushrooms so he can, you know, keep them tripping out. The... No, but isn't it super interesting that they can't conquer that? They conquer everything else. Narnia is a significantly larger populace. You had centaurs. You have whatever else is there. All like, the trees. How do you lose a battle when your entire forest can go to war? What's well, Narnia? That's not Archland. No, that's what I'm saying. How did Narnia lose? Because because Aslan allowed it. That's how. How else? Well, yeah, but kind of like how in the I, I think he's just mirroring the Bible because how many times it was allowed that God's people were conquered. True. I mean, fair point. Fair point. I just love though how Archland is just there. Like if you have to pick <laughs> like, a place, we're OP. We're OP. Like, if I'm ever drawn into Narnia someday. I know where the heck I'm going. Archelance. I don't care. I'm going to Archland. Okay, like that is safe haven. 
I know it will win every war. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But this book, I, the the second half is weak. It's very weak. I wonder if Arch and Land's based on any real place. Like, is it Ireland? Doubt it. <laughs> I mean, even the British couldn't conquer Ireland completely, so maybe, <laughs> maybe it is Ireland. <laughs> it's the Ireland to to Narnia. Is it Scotland? I mean, Arch and Land kind of no, sounds Scotland like gets, a... Arch and Land gets conquered. That's Scotland strange. is currently part of the UK. <laughs> so <laughs> everything is conquered by Aslan. That's fair. That's fair. All right. Is there any other morals that could be taken out of this book? Um, I mean, there is the, if we go back to where they're trying to bring in the white witch, there is the moral that, you know, there is a certain type of victory that's not worth it. Okay. Yeah, that's true. You never want to sacrifice your morals or your soul to win. Yeah. Which, okay. Actually, Let's expand on it because it is uh, it is very applicable to today. We're all about this intersectionality and the enemy of my enemy is my friend bullcrap, right? But sometimes um, some allies are not good for your cause. Exactly. At some at some point, you got to recognize if this uh, enemy of my enemy is also my enemy. Like, are they gonna cut, pull the rug out from under me somewhere midway through? Exactly. And there's plenty of times in history where enemies ally against shared enemy only to then turn swords on each other or well backstab one backstabs the other at the at the victory table right let um, us draw swords you know you can see that in results from world war ii technically That's uh, true. but well actually yeah really much so uh you look at it where technically the bolsheviks all the communist countries had this happen right where they would set aside their differences a little bit to fight foreign enemies one group, and allies. one group would allow the other to do much of the heavy fighting just to come in and sweep the field later of their supposed friend well seize fire this uh ccp did that to the nationalists in china as well let's be honest are there any allies in communism no 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 so yeah uh don't don't just trust somebody because they're also against the, a shared enemy they could be bringing in something much worse like the white witch or mao i say in that case the the, <laughs> the the better description would be the enemy of my enemy could be my shield yeah i mean if you want to take that lesson hide behind them while they go and get destroyed that's a valuable lesson too <laughs> but with the white witch i don't think you want to risk it that's too powerful of a force to deal with right yeah, and especially, I doubt Aslan would look upon that very kindly. I mean, you have to... Okay, let's let's point out, too, in this specific circumstance, you have to uplift your enemy. <laughs> so And, and then could you even trust her? Right. She's just going to kill everybody. I mean, if you have an enemy that you need to seize fire with because of a shared outside, uh, outside force that's going to destroy both of you... Probably don't resurrect that enemy. A little enemy. different... But don't don't resurrect the enemy you already <laughs> destroyed to fight a new enemy. I almost this, wish C.S. Lewis would have let him bring her back just to see what would have happened. <laughs> see her get wrecked on the field of battle. That's I have no, I, I'd just be curious what would have. I mean, does she come I mean, back? Does she come back in the movie? Does she come back in the movie? In the movie, they have her image. It's real. The movie sucks. Okay, let's let's go there actually, real quick. 
don't watch the movie. It's terrible. They because of how little conflict actually does occur in this story, the movie adds extra conflict, and it also adds a love uh, story aspect, to love interest between Susan and Caspian. And I just want to point out that I don't even think they say more than one word to each other. And it's Sue saying one word to Caspian at the end of basically bye. Like that, so, so that is the most interaction they have in this entire book. My uh, my wife pointed out to me a, a reason why there's so much additional content in the movies. It's because most people who are watching the movies didn't read the books. And so how do you tie yeah. together a, a series, a chronicles of books that don't have the same characters and keep people interested? Well, you have to continuously pump in content for the four characters that people care about. So they, the movie makers took some serious creative liberties to keep the story about the four Pevensey, Pevensey children. True. I, I think that Netflix doing Which a TV screwed it series... Up. I think Netflix doing a TV series, I would be okay if they would expand on the parts that are actually talked about in the book, but like briefly. So like the invasion of Narnia. It's probably going to be canceled and they're going to let the contract roll out. Probably. Just let they, me know. I found well, that out okay. recently. It probably will be just because I don't think they're creative enough over there to make it work. And they they're realize concerned that if they do the series in the way that they've done other series, people won't watch it. And they yes. saw Rings of Power. Well, okay, there's that, but also... They got to watch the... that crashing, burning ship. Okay, there's a way that you could do this very well. And you have to expand on the unspoken part, like on the, the briefly touched upon aspects of the story. And just expand the... War, the like Show more of the universe and not let it be so... At the like, end and the beginning of each book, you almost have to give a summary of what's going on. Kind of maybe to fill in some gaps next, a little bit, like what happens next type of thing. Yeah, or or even just like this many years has gone by, and in the, the time this happened. The problem is none of the. I think this is the problem that Netflix is seeing is they can't use each book as its own season. You could. It'd be hard. You it wouldn't get, be. It wouldn't be ten, 10 episodes. episodes. You could do ten up. You could do maybe well. Know. But you know what? Peaky Blinders only did like I think between three and six episodes, and that you know I could see a, really I could well. see six I could see six episodes per season maybe, but it, I don't think that they're interested in the stories that they need to be interested in on how they would expand it. So yeah, I mean they're gonna try to add love interests and the stuff that yeah. really doesn't add anything to the story. Right, it, it's not going to be about the universe. You like, know what would ruin these books? Context. Even one single sex scene would ruin these books. You mean the show? If they did the show, oh, no, that's what I mean. If they, they can't they, ruin they, the books, because I mean, I mean, what I mean by ruin the books is it would ruin the story that's there. Yeah, you can't do that. There's literally not a single. I mean, they would try to do it for showing um, the horse and the boy love in uh, the love interest between him and. Um, well, I, I guess if you made it at the very end, you could allude to those two getting married and having kids or something. Yeah. But you still wouldn't have an actual scene. <laughs> the, I mean, they would add in uh, 
it would be okay. The horse and the boy is that actually could probably a lot do ten more, plus episodes. On that one that. could do ten plus episodes, and they would really exploit though the uh, Sue, the Susan uh, love interest thing with the prince. Yeah, because you would add in an extra scene where they have the the, the courtship, the whole courtship, and yeah, yeah. But uh, as but far prince as Prince Caspian, don't go watch that movie. Don't watch it. It's terrible. Mind the Wish uh, the Wardrobe is kind of worth it, but Prince Caspian, not so much. Yeah, I like, I mean, the way that they changed, the changes they made to expand on The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, I think were actually decent. I don't, other I mean, than, other than was, removing almost the entire aspect of the stories at the professor's house. Yes, that's the only part that sucked. Yeah, that's the only part that sucked. I know what you're going to say, but your dogs are barking, so I understand. All right, the, should, we, the, uh, should, we, should we rate this thing? Yeah, that's what I was just about to say. Let's go into rating it. I agree with Will. I'm a three. I just think that the second half of the book, once they find Aslan, I think, I don't want to say it's poorly written. I just want to say that he has the, C.S. Lewis, when Aslan's involved, has this um, tendency to basically write it as if everything's gone God mode. And it's just (laughs) drawing conclusions. He's just bringing everything to conclusion from that point in there's not a lot of it's almost like um an epilogue it, it's it's you know just afterward that's what so it kind of comes out despite of the way this book is written i actually think this one is the most linear story out of all of them it it, it is. does not take much time jumping around no, it is very linear yeah except the, for telling the caspian story it jumps but that but that literally takes like the whole plot is that so like yeah. there's no this book takes no breaks and That's at true. the end the only complaint i really have with the book is the rushed ending yeah that no i agree that the ending is where i find i just find the ending very weak because i actually keep i would put this book almost tied with the lion the witch in the wardrobe i have to say it's lower than the lion the witch in the wardrobe just because he rushes the ending of this one significantly more. I'll give it a three and a half. Okay. I mean, I can I can see that as a valid rating. I gave I said, a four to the line of equal. I said almost equal. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. I, I don't think it's... If I had to give it a full point rating, I'd probably give it a four. I if think I there's... keep my half, it's three and a half. You think it's that close to? The I just I can't give it a three. There's enough there that I don't feel good giving it a three. I mean, if, but, if, let me say, let me rephrase that. If I'm ranking this book based on just the Chronicles of Narnia, and that's my five point scale, where the silver chair is a one, and no, I'm just kidding. Um, no, but where where the bottom line is like whatever the worst. Narnia book is. I mean, yeah, I could probably give this one a three, but if I'm ranking this against every other book that's out there, like giving this book a three is a huge disservice to what's here. I can see what you're saying. There's so many I, books way worse than this book out there. There are, but it is, as Will said, it is the low point in this entire series. It, it just is. Um, I think... Maybe we re- we should revisit our overall ratings for all of them once we've finished. We're gonna do an entire Chronicles of Narnia podcast where we just talk about the Chronicles of Narnia at the at the when we finish all of them. 
Yeah. One of our in-between book podcasts will be a right. literal just let's review the Chronicles of Narnia as a whole. I'm, I'm going to stick we'll with a, a three. We'll do tier list and everything. Okay. I'm going to stick with a three for now just because it's rushed. Okay, there's a difference between – I'll put it this way. There's a difference between the Chronicle, the Line, the Witch, and the Wardrobes rushing at the end and the rushing of Prince Caspian because Prince Caspian's rushing – has a lot less there there in it mm-hmm. than the uh, Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobes de- did. I think they have way more there there. Okay. Just with the way he goes about um, each character's journey, there seems to be more substance. There's actually a battle that it's it's important until and then Aslan has to show up with all the people that he rescues. It, it kind of resurrects from stone. Um I don't know. There just seems it's hard to say, really. Plus, it's rushed because you know Aslan goes through the whole death and resurrection himself. Yeah, um, there's multiple Bible stories in involved in the line of which. I mean, I guess there is in this one too. But... but in this one, the ending that's rushed is like Aslan is just there. He gathers the trees. They go <laughs> through everything the all the actions everywhere else seem kind of pointless outside mm-hmm. of it it's not like oh well we have to have this battle it's just we're biding our time now for aslan and the trees and then i'm i still kind of fail to see the true um lessons of what aslan achieves when he's going through the towns and stuff kind of like scaring away some people getting others to follow him i i guess it makes sense because it's like conversion of a bunch of people to the narnian way but it it's not as substantial you know what is the phrase convert by sword no, i'm just kidding no not in this <laughs> he brings hope man he brings hope i was just kidding everyone um, wants to join the parade <laughs> What was it? Uh, when I was a young boy. No, I'm just kidding. Goodness. <laughs> Anyways, <All> right. <laughs> there's no way that's being. I know, I'm, up joking, that. I'm joking. <laughs> I, but yeah, I'm I'm between a three and a four. So if you're doing yeah. it just based on the Chronicles of Narnia and the ranking system is there, I give it a three. If it's okay. based on every book out there, I would give it a four. Okay. So I mean, it seems a little high nice to me, but three and a half I'll, is my nice average. Oh, I'll give it to you. Alrighty. Uh, well, let's just remind. I don't everybody. see any actual questions other than what's this book about, which we just went through, and then okay, <laughs> yeah, it kind of explained. So thank you for being there, Wubio. We appreciate you. Um, I don't see. Let's see, Rumble. I don't see any questions on the Rumbles. I'll check one more time. Nope, no questions nope. on the Rumble, and none on the Twitter. So make sure you guys follow our um, Goodreads. I put links in yeah. the chat. Well, and subscribe or the book club or the book club clubs uh, link one or the other and yeah and definitely subscribe subscribe to our channel on youtube rumble whatever is your favorite we don't you know don't care uh, as subscribe. long as your favorite is not odyssey because that yeah. site i still haven't figured out how to save my live streams and that's over uh give us a follow on twitter at the krill uh krill cast and at printed and press printed yes, and thank pressed. you i'm having a language which i forgot i right forgot now. to actually 
tag printed and pressed for once on my Oh my goodness. Well, we'll have to retweet it. Yeah. Um, next time, on the well, two weeks from now, printed and pressed, we'll be back with... The Prince by Machiavelli. And if I had more thought on this, I would have brought it down with me to show it off. But it's fine. Here it is. It's right there. (laughs) So. As always, I'm Chris. And I'm Andrew. And I'm Will. And we will see you. (laughs) On the next Printed and Press. See y'all.